This podcast is brought to you by the Eisner Award-winning Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska, and by listeners like you. Go to TwoHeadedNerd.com and click Donate Now to become a supporter. This is Tim Benson of Omaha Bound, host of Panel Exploration. You're listening to the Two-Headed Nerd with Joe and Matt. Sort of break it, break it down like this. Broadcasting from the Ziggurat at Omaha, deep below the metro area, it's our pleasure to welcome you to THN episode 262. We're talking comics and nerd news for the week of Wednesday, August 25th. My name's Matt Baum. You can find me at Matt Baumstein on the Twitter. Sitting across from me from is Joe Patrick. He got his pants scared off at last night's Don't breath. Occasional <laughs> guest host Dave DeMarco's bad movie birthday, which actually turned out to be a good movie. Uh, that's usually how it's gone yeah. for several of these. Yeah. Uh, yes, I am Joe Patrick, and I did watch a scary movie, and I live to tell about it. Doesn't happen very often. Uh, it wasn't that scary, to be honest. That's what I heard. It was good. It was good. It just wasn't like yeah, yeah, yeah. horrifying. I am at Joe Patrick 116 on the Twitter, and you can follow this godforsaken show at Two Headed Nerd. In this week's episode, you'll hear our reviews of Lake of Fire, number one, and Kingsway West, number one, which sounds like a really expensive street with, like, really nice houses on it. <laughs> After that, we'll review ten more of this week's comics faster than Paramount Pictures can cancel their Spartacus remake during the ludicrous speed round. Then, we'll visit the THN Sanctum Sanctorum, where we'll be sucking on some toads and discussing a couple of next week's comics. I feel like we've sucked on toads before. You need to step up your game. I don't think we have. Yeah, alright. Well, I think we licked some, maybe. Okay. And finally, we'll review James Kolchaka's latest graphic novel in our monthly Take a Look It's in a Book segment, but... Before we start pissing off the alt-right with our racial sensitivity. Is that like alt-country? Uh, yes, but way more racist. And political correctness, let's punch Gotham showrunner Bruno Heller in the f***ing mouth and then stand over dude and tell him not only do superheroes work just fine on TV, but his show hypersexualizes a 14-year-old girl and makes all of Batman's villains at least 50 by the time he starts fighting them. And then we can talk about this week's... Lionsgate is developing an adaptation of Justin Gray and Jimmy Palmiotti's comic series, The Monolith. Dave Wilson, who was the creative director of the Deadpool movie, is attached to direct. And Erwin Stoff is producing. Erwin Stoff produced things like I Am Legend and The Matrix, for those of you that care. Hopefully just the first one. (laughs) According to The Hollywood Reporter, the film will be Wilson's directorial debut, aside from various video game projects and trailers. Uh, including work on Mass Effect 2, Star Wars The Old Republic, and Avengers Age of Ultron. Mass Effect 2, one of my favorite video games. Oh, yeah. All Star Wars The Old Republic was kick ass, too. Uh, this is the MMO Star Wars The Old Republic, not hey. Knights of the Old Republic. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Um, but it, regardless, Monolith was a modern version of the Gollum legend. The series was written by Palmy, Ali, and Gray, and it featured art from Phil Winslade. We love Phil Winslade. Tom Coker and Peter Snedberg, who I, I adore. Snedberg. Snedgebajerk. (laughs) (laughs) Published for 12 issues in 2004 and 2005 by DC, the monolith told the story of a recovering drug addict and social worker who inherits her grandmother's house and finds a diary from the 1930s. She discovers a monstrous creature that was created to avenge a man's death and ended up running amok in Depression Era New York. It was vaguely linked to the DC Universe. Batman showed up a couple times. I have a vague recollection of this series, but it seems like kind of an odd property for Hollywood to resurrect, doesn't it? Yeah, I remember reading this back in the day. I'm uh, checking it out anyway because I like Jimmy Palmietti and he writes good stories. It didn't last. It didn't last, and I don't remember loving it. And I don't remember 
how connected to the DCU it was, and I feel like it ended up not being that connected. Well, I mean, Batman shows up. So yeah. it was in the DCU. No, universe. but I mean, like, wasn't it part of an experiment of like some sort of weird little imprint or something? Uh, I don't think it was, but it did come out at the same time. Oh, okay. As oh gosh, I forget the name of the imprint, but. Uh, it, they put out uh, a bunch of books about quote unquote real world superheroes. Yeah. Like uh, Hard Time, which yes. is about the kid in prison that okay. gets superpowers. I, I guess I thought this was part of that. I think it wasn't. Everybody kind of thought it was part of that. And then Batman showed up. And we <laughs> everyone, uh, okay. It was not a successful book, really. Not as I recall. I think, it, I think it does have a bit of a cult following. But I mean, the story is sound. Okay. And you can almost be certain that it's not going to have anything to do with this DC cinematic I universe. I love how you're billing this. The story is sound. But I mean, I mean, it's a fun idea. Yeah, you know, no, I got you. I got you. A, a young lady in modern day New York discovers her grandma's old golem, like in the basement. I mean, that's a fun story. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. With all of the IP farming that Hollywood does, like who has time to look in a drawer that hasn't been opened for 10 years? Apparently, uh, Palmiotti's manager. I don't know. <laughs> hey, good for those guys. Yeah. I hope it works out. Go get them, guys. Joe Patrick, I know you're excited. In a video interview with Nerdy Pop, I don't know what that is. They're the only people that'll still talk to Rob Leefield. Rob Leefield has announced that's not true. a new volume as creator owned superhero series, Young Blood. <sighs> According to Leefield, the new creative team will consist of X Men 92 co writer Chad Bowers, who will co plot with Leefield and script the series, and newcomer Jim Toe, who Leefield discovered on Twitter after Toe posted redesigns of the Youngblood characters. Though it's the, look, the art is great. Yeah, he's good. I saw the redesigns and they look pretty cool. This title has been relaunched several times and usually like two issues and then kaput yeah <laughs> it's also been dormant for many years with several false starts including a 2011 revival that never came to fruition i believe in that one shaft had a weight problem didn't he oh maybe i don't yeah, remember i think he was fat uh, i remember that there was a one relaunch that steve steve scrochy drew yes for and, one issue i believe and then uh, when they did this extreme relaunch with profit and uh glory and all that i feel like young blood was going to be part of it i feel like it was mentioned but nothing happened yeah. Leefield said they plan to avoid delays by having three issues in the can before the series is even solicited. Wow. All three. And even joked that he, quote, didn't draw it. That's why it's good. I'm glad he can poke fun. You got to say this for the man. Yeah. He knows his reputation yeah. and he knows how to uh, he not take himself too seriously. The new team includes your favorite Youngblood heroes like Shaft and Bad Rock, along with latter day inclusion such as Doc Rocket. Don't know who that is. Suprema. I think they came uh, from the Alan Moore relaunch okay suprema i think is the female supreme right yes yes okay from alan moore's supreme run according to leafield young blood revival is going to launch at image comics sometime in 2017 <laughs> question mark in time for the series 25th anniversary okay joe why on earth do we care about yet another young blood relaunch i don't yeah the I don't answer either. is i don't i don't care uh, i will say this i really like jim toe's Art. I think the story here is that Jim Toe posted some stuff on Twitter. Rob Leefield saw it and said, do you want a job? Yeah. That's kick ass. I think that it, like the art had kind of a uh, Hawkeye vibe, like Matt Fraction's Hawkeye. You know what I mean? Where it's like yeah. superheroes, but yeah. kind of not. And I hope that's what they're going for. If that's what they're going for, I'll give it a try. I don't really know much about the writer. I don't care for X-Men 92. I think X-Men 92 is terrible. Um, though we did review that graphic novel that he co-wrote with Chris Sims uh, about the guy that fought the mascots. Editor's note. 
Bowers co-wrote Downset Fight, with Chris Sims. You can hear Joe and Matt's review of the graphic novel in episode 155. Oh yeah, you that was that? him. That was kick. That book was kick ass. Yeah, it was really good. Yeah, so we'll see. I I think the art's nice. I think that the writer has potential. I don't give a shit about Youngblood. Yeah, I don't either. I don't know anybody who does. If you do, let's hear it. Hit me. Who the, cares about Youngblood still? The last the last Rob Liefeld revival that I read was Bloodstrike, uh, where the dude carried around a severed penis in a in a jar oh, for God. five issues. That almost, confidence is not at an all time high. Is that what I'm almost saying. Almost made me want to change our rating system to like a one through ten, so we could be like, this is one of the lowest reviewed comics we've ever <laughs> talked about. <laughs> Finally, international comics binding specialist and Omaha's foremost daredevil aficionado, Tim Benson, is bringing a very special free event to Omaha through his Omaha-bound organization called Panel Exploration. We decided to bring the news to you straight from the horse's mouth. Tim, welcome to the ziggurat. I think that's rude. <laughs> that, is, that is. Hey, Joe, <laughs> thanks, uh, thanks for having me on the show. I'm excited uh, to be able to talk about Panel Exploration. It's it's coming soon. Uh, just uh, just about twenty one days out when as we record. So. Oh man! Well, let's start with what is it? What exactly is panel exploration? It's not a comic yeah. convention. It is not. No panel exploration. It's um, it's a three day event focused on education and showcasing comic books as art. Um, so September 16th through the 18th, um, we'll have a, a different, very different event each day. So September 16th is a Friday. Um, all of these are at Hot Shops Art Center um, down at, right by the TD Ameritrade Baseball Stadium. Yeah. Um, Friday, September 16th, 6 p.m. to 8 p.m., uh, we're opening the art gallery. So we're going to have original art from nearly all of the guests who are attending the event, as well as a handful of other people, um, as well as some local um, artists who have produced comics. We're gonna have um, 1301 Gallery within, which is inside Hot Shops, um, mm -hmm. all this original art. And so I don't wanna spoil the guests in the art intro, but so, so Friday, September 16th, 6 to 8 p.m. It's just a social, um, Legend Comics is gonna come down and have coffee and drinks and stuff on hand for people and just be able to to see some of this amazing art we're bringing in and possibly uh, be able to talk to some of the guests as they are coming down to view the gallery as well so the next day is like the big workshop day right yeah um saturday is kind of the big day um september 17th starting at 9 a.m going through 4 30 p.m again at hot shops art center it is an all-day workshop, um, symposium-style event. So starting 9 a.m., we're going to have our first panel. It's going to go for about an hour, take a short break, go into the next panel, and we're going to do that all day. Bringing in featured guest, uh, Stan Sakai, which is... Hey, I know him. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, I know him. Creator of Usagi Ojimbo. Yeah. Um, multiple Eisner Award winner uh, for storytelling, art, and lettering. Phil Hester is coming, Eric Gapster, Alan Palasqua, uh, who's a colorist for DC and Valiant. Oh, is that how you pronounce that? I, I don't know. <laughs> like, I feel like I get better. I've, I've always called him Alan Pasalacqua, which might not even be the correct it's arrangement of letters. It's in there somewhere. I think it's Pasalacqua. I gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
but I'm going to talk to him a couple days. I'm going to ask him. So good, good, good. We'll see. We'll see if I can practice. Um, <laughs> Bruce McCorkendale, who's a, a local discount. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We love, <laughs> we love that dude. We love Bruce. Um, and then they're Jeff not booing. Kutura. They're saying Bruce. Bruce. <laughs> um, so Jeff Caturba is also coming. Oh, yeah. Local political uh, cartoonist for the yeah. World Herald. Yeah, he's yeah, great. Yeah, absolutely. And then our, our final guest just announced was Colin Bunn. He writes. R- writer of note. Omaha's yeah. favorite. Yeah, so he's gonna um, move here. Excited to have that group of people come in, Um, and they're literally just gonna. There's gonna be a couple people each hour who to talk about a certain topic. Um, That's awesome. And the 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 day will go from writing all the way through coloring. So we're kind of kind of go through the progression of of how a comic is made. This sounds amazing, Tim. Where where can people go to get more information? Find out how to get there. Find out all the schedule. Where where do they go? Because yeah, you, you are asking, that. it's important to note that you are uh, requesting people pre-register. Yes. Uh, uh, it is a free event. We can't stress it enough. There's no cost, but I mean, it's helpful to know how many people are interested. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah we need to make sure we have enough chairs. And um, I anticipate selling out. Um, and so that, that registration is important. So omahabound.com um, will find everything about the organization as well as the event itself. And a, a simple link to register for the event. Tim, thanks again for coming. We'll see you in September. Thank you. That is the big news for this week. If you want to talk about these or all of the other damn stories we missed, hit us up on the Two Headed Nerd forums in our big news section, where I guess there we'll cover the rumors that Donald Glover may be playing Young Lando. I love it! I love it! Uh, I did not report the news about Young Lando because the only place I saw it yeah. was Movie Pilot, I which know. is like fan popular. It's yeah. all rumor. Yeah, somebody probably posted on like their forums. Yo, it'll be cool. It's Donald Glover from <laughs> Community with like, Lando. I, like it is my fondest wish for Donald Glover to play Young Lando. Every Sunday, my favorite community college student Joe Patrick posts the question of the week in everyone's favorite digital nerd sanctuary. The THN Forums, Joey Patrick. What are we asking the nerds this week? This week's question comes from our good friend, Anthony, residing in Brooklyn, who asks, quote, As comic book fans, we see comics go through creative changes all the time. Sometimes it's a creative team or change of direction. Some are great, some are horrible, but there are those titles that, even though we may hate what's going on, we just can't quit them. I totally know what he means. Yeah. We might even try, but eventually we'll go creeping back because we have to. So we're abused. What title can't you quit? We're all survivors. Sometimes the title just has to hit you once and it's yours forever. Those jokes are not funny. Nah, they used to be. You have until 5 p.m. this coming Friday, September 2nd to get us your answer. There are no more exceptions. We are on a tight schedule. You can call the Ziggurat hotline 402-819-4894 and leave us a message. And if uh, you don't even have to have a degree, you don't have to have an associate's uh, degree or anything. You can call, you can send an mp3 to 2editnerd.com. Well, we will put you on the show. We will send you a jean jacket with lovely patches. It's true. Whatever you do, keep it under two minutes. You'll get caught off. That's the breaks. If you need more time than that, go to the THN forums. There is a section where you can go nuts. And people do. Sometimes they go so nuts that they forget to actually call in. Don't be that person. We want you to call. Then you can tune in next week. 
usually on Thursdays, to hear you and your fellow listeners on the THN Answer of the Week podcast, a.k.a. the greatest show on the internet. Am oh, I right? Oh, yes. It's the best. <laughs> It's review time in the Ziggurat, where Joe and I are taking a break from the DC Rebirth to talk about two of this week's other comics for a change. I know. Ah. Joey, lay it on these suckers, will ya? This week, I am reviewing Kingsway West, number one from Dark Horse Comics, written by Greg Pak, with art by Mirko Kolak. It's 32 pages for $3.99. I wrote $2.99, but I believe that is a typo. I believe it's $3.99. Here's your solicit. After 13 years in prison, a Chinese gunslinger named Kingsway Law, kind of confusing that his name is not Kingsway West, just wants to find his wife. But in a fantastical American Old West crackling with magic monsters and racist vigilantes, trouble just won't leave him be. And in this case, trouble is a woman with a magic sword who needs his help. I dated one of those ones. (laughs) It did not turn out well. Kingsway West is a book that's been on my radar for quite a while. Greg Pack embarked on a pretty serious promotional campaign last year when I was still managing Legend. He was like personally contacting retailers. Oh, wow. But this book was supposed to come out back in November. Happens though, and here we are in August. The first thing that struck me about Kingsway West is that it reminds me sort of of Kurt Busiek's Wildstorm title Aerosmith. Not in terms of the subject matter, but it's a similar exploration of an alternate version of American history where the world has been made very different by the presence of magic. So not the rock and roll comics true story of Aerosmith. No, no. Gotcha. Okay. (laughs) Here, the story centers on the West in the late 1800s before the westward expansion of the United States. California is still controlled by Mexico and the Chinese are a controlling force in the region. Kingsway Law is a badass gunman trying to put a life of violence behind him after a war. Like so many iconic outlaws, violence refuses to leave Kingsway alone, and he finds himself bleeding out face down in the snow after a shootout. Oddly, things take an unexpectedly happy turn from there, but of course it doesn't last long, and Law finds himself on a search for vengeance. Aside from the magical trappings, the story is a very familiar one. It also moves pretty quickly, maybe a little too quickly to really invest in his personal struggle. But like I said, the story is an iconic one. So half of the fun is watching him go to work. There's a B plot about the various governments of the land racing to find a mystical ore called red gold, a metal that can bestow supernatural power to the objects that it's forged into It's kind of a clever parallel to the real-life American gold rush from right around that same time. I've seen artist Mirko Kolak's name around here and there, but I don't think he's ever had a nice long run on anything. I looked him up, and it's like two issues of this, two issues of that. He did a special and an annual, or a story and an annual. When he popped up, we always liked his art. Yeah, his, his work is very strong here. And with colorist Will Quintana, they create a detailed picture of this version of the West, complete with lush wildlands full of like giant creatures, desolate deserts and snowy mountains. Kolak's faces are very expressive. They did tend though to get a little odd from time to time, but overall I thought that this issue looked pretty great. The story isn't going to win any awards for originality, but pack approaches it in a unique way 
from the perspective of a Chinese protagonist with a backstory where they were a more dominant part of American history. This was a fun read with decent art, and sometimes that's enough. You know, like I said, it's not going to blow anybody's socks off, but I liked it. And so I'm giving Kingsway West a buy it. Yeah, I liked it too. And I don't think you were going to give it that rating until we got there. No, no, I I was like, I I read it and I was like, you know, this is just a solid comic. I thought it was clever. I thought it was very clever. That is very well drawn. I, I didn't put it down and go, man, I can't wait to talk to somebody about Kingsway West. No, there was a lot going on, but I do feel like they handled it well enough and you could understand what was happening for the most part. I mean, like I didn't get bogged down in any of it. There no. was a lot there. I thought Colax art was the best I've seen it yet. I yeah, thought it was great. It was, it was really good. I'm giving it a buy it too, though. I, I I really enjoyed it. I think it's clever. I think it's a great premise. I think it's. A, I love the right. Chinese cowboy story. That's cool. Right. I I'm think in. it's a. You know, everybody everybody knows about you know the Chinese in the in the West during that sure. part of the 1800s with the building of the railroads. Yeah, and whatnot. yeah, yeah. This is just a, a an interesting take where now there's magic and these guys are bad motherfuckers. Yeah. And uh, Kingsway Law is the baddest of them. But he's on the run from the controlling government. Right. Uh, it's a neat idea. Uh, Greg Pack is very passionate about it. If you uh, read his interviews uh, and I'm interested in seeing where it goes. I, I enjoyed it. Cool. So again, without really intending to, this is sort of a themed episode because we both picked weird period pieces. I guess. Yeah. Didn't we? Yeah. What do you tell us about what you got? I picked Lake of Fire. Number one from image written, colored and lettered by Nathan Fairbairn. Busy guy. With yeah. art by Matt Smith. It's 48 pages for $3.99. It's Matt Smith, but not that Matt Smith. Yeah. Not Matthew Dow Smith, who draws X-Files. And not... Not Matt Smith, the doctor. Yeah, not, not Dr. Who's It's. Not Dr. Who's It's. <laughs> From out of nowhere comes a little story about French Knights right. of the Crusade investigating a crashed alien spaceship. I know. Outside of Cowboys vs. Aliens, this is the only kind of story you're going to find in comics. I know outside of Cowboys versus Aliens, you're not going to find a story like this anywhere else but in the pages of comic books. Even weirder. Which was also a comic book, by yeah. the way. Cowboys versus Aliens. Well, after the... Oh, no. First. No, it was you're a right. graphic novel. First, yeah. yeah. Even weirder, it's written by an artist, Nathan Fairbairn, that gets second billing over the actual artist, Matt Smith. I love Smith's work, but I had to really, really look and be careful because there's like 15 different Matt Smiths working in (laughs) comics right now. This is a Matt Smith that did a backup and some coloring on Headlopper. He did Astronauts in Trouble, and he inked an issue of Starman back in the day. So that's neat, right? That is neat. Here, the two take what could be a bizarre and yet somehow boring plot for a Prince Valiant reboot, looking at you, Dynamite, and somehow turn it into a clever Buddy Knight book with a great hook. The story follows a young, newly knighted rich kid named Theobald and his more intelligent friend, Hugh, who left their cushy lives to find adventure with the Crusades. Upon meeting their commanding officer at the siege that they've assigned themselves to, (laughs) we find out that Theobald may not have been properly knighted, and Hugh is probably only tagging along to keep his buddy alive. Seeing a chance to get rid of both of them and a crusty old drunken baron, the Lord Commander sends them off to investigate strange happenings at a small village just far enough away to keep them away from the actual siege for about 40 days. (laughs) It just so happens the town in question is the site of a crashed alien vessel full of what seems to be murderous insect creatures. Fairbairn's script does just enough to keep the story lighthearted when it needs to be and scary as hell on the next page. There was obviously a good amount of research that went into the story here, and the tone is perfect 
But unlike other period pieces, I never felt bogged down in old timey dialogue or exposition. Smith seems to be channeling Mike Mignola and Paul Smith here with his deceptively simple art. His characters are all instantly noticeable, very human in every panel paired with Fairbairn's colors and inks. This is a beautifully illustrated and perfectly paced story. I loved the first issue. I can't wait to see where it goes from here. Lake of Fire, number one, 48 pages, okay, for $3.99. That's yeah, awesome. They really they really put it all out there on this first issue. Excellent art, great dialogue and storytelling. I'm giving this a buy it. This was fresh. This was new. I loved it. I liked it a lot. I really did. I loved the idea that the guy leading the army was just like, yeah, go investigate this thing yeah. <laughs> and report back to me when yeah. you're done. And it just turns out, obviously, well, he just happened to pick the one place where there's actually something very bad. Happening. And it will take them that much time to, like, fill out their conscription and then they're done. They can get the hell out of here and say they did it. Right. <laughs> <You know? laughs> uh, yeah, I thought it was really good. The art was gorgeous. I never got bored. You know, that was kind no. of my worry was that, uh, well, first of all, I, I mentioned this to Matt last night. I didn't even realize that it was going to be about aliens uh, until I opened the book because I didn't actually pay attention to the cover. There was a spaceship it's on, on the cover. The cover. <laughs> but I opened it up. It's not a spoiler. When and I say so that. I, like, I saw I saw like a thumbnail of the cover and it's like, oh, I saw guys dressed as Templar Knights. I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> and uh, I opened it up and page two spaceship. I was like, oh, OK, well, we're doing this then. Yeah. Uh, and it's. I want to touch on that point you said about not being bored. For some reason, I have this affinity for the character of Prince Valiant. And I think it's just because solely based on the history of the character. And I was sure. kind of excited when they Dynamite was doing that King comics and they were bringing Prince Valiant into the universe and everything. It turned out to be so boring. And, and there's no reason why it should be. This is a perfect example of what you can do with this kind of stuff. Making it feel modern, but still setting it in the in the period and making it believable and injecting aliens, which all sounds ridiculous, but it totally worked. It right. totally and works when done well. What I mean when I say that I wasn't bored is that they hit you right away with the idea that there are creatures falling from the stars. Right. But you don't actually, it takes forever to actually get to that point in the story. Because there's more story to it. But I was really compelled by all of it yeah i i really liked this book a lot i'm giving it a buy it. so that is a double buy it for both lake of fire number one and for kingsway west number one now it's time for you crusading chinese gunslingers to play critic so head over to the thn forums that's at thnforums.boards.net and tell us what you thought of these comics in honor of paramount pictures complete box office flop with their remake of Ben-Hur. I mean, seriously, what in hell were they thinking? <laughs> Does Morgan Freeman need the work? <laughs> it only seemed right to reenact the famous chariot race, but this time with enslaved mole men servants pulling Joe and I as we bump and rub our way to the finish line. Gross! If you ain't rubbing, you ain't racing, brother. That's right. So join the two-headed slave as we race for freedom while reviewing ten more of this week's comics during the Ludicrous Speed Round! Ludicrous Speed! Go! Jittery 
Generation Zero, number one from Valiant. Out of the pages of the Hardbringer Wars comes Generation <laughs> Zero, a different group of young Psyots raised to be weapons that find themselves with a new cause and a new mission. Fred Van Lenty writes a story that sets the Gen Zero gang up as a Psyot A-team, kind of. If you're young, in trouble, and no adults will help, and if you can find them, maybe you can hire Generation Zero. Fun story, great new mission for this team with great art by Francis Portella. Generation Zero gets a buy it. Yusagi Ujimbo, number 157 from Dark Horse. I am reviewing this issue at the behest of Tim Benson, our guest from earlier in the show. That dude's always behesting someone. Apparently, you can just boss us around and we'll do it. Uh, And I'm glad I read it. I I don't normally follow Yusagi Ujimbo. It is my shame. It has been put on display many times. This is part three of The Secret of the Hell Screen, which is a murder mystery where the killer may or may not be a graphic piece of art depicting the horrors of hell. Yeah, I know. I thought I knew where the story was headed, but the amazing Stan Sakai had plenty of twists in store, and his detailed black and white art is always outstanding. I don't read this series on the regular, but I always enjoy it when I do. Yusagi Yojimba 157 gets a buy it. Duck Avenger number zero from IDW. This is 72 pages of Donald Duck as his counterpart, Duck Avenger, for $4.99, and man, was it weird. It reprints this Italian series by Alessandro Sisti and several others, which pits Donald against a race of duck aliens after Uncle Scrooge buys a mysterious high-tech building. This was really impressive and paid homage to art of the likes of Jim Woodring and Mobius at times. I had no idea I was getting into a Duck Avenger. I'm giving it a buy it. I don't know where IDW is digging this stuff up, but there's this whole European Disney contingent that did these incredible Disney comics that we've never seen. Yeah, we talked about that it's when you really did that Uncle weird. Scrooge book. Yeah, worth checking into, though. Atomic Robo in the Temple of Ood? Odd? We, wa- we wanted to know how it was pronounced, <laughs> Come on, but Clevenger. Brian Clevenger never got back to Come us. on, man. It's from Look. IDW. Look, Atomic Robo is always good. The only question is, does it further the present-day narrative or just offer a fun period adventure that you can enjoy separate from the current context? This is the latter, which is a relief considering I'm like four or five years behind on Atomic Robo. This time, Robo is in occupied Manchuria in 1938, tracking a deadly superweapon with an old friend. Things, of course, do not go in their favor. I love this series. I love the world that Brian Clevenger and Scott Wigner have created. I love this issue. Atomic Robo number one gets a buy it. Northguard number one from Chapter House. Yes, the main character looks a lot like Captain Canuck. Right? But he's different. Okay. This guy is an enchanted armed man that gives him power to do a lot of stuff that isn't well defined here. And his suit helps too. Maybe. Chapter House is trying to capture lightning in a bottle again by rebooting another classic Canadian hero, but you better have read Captain Canuck, which I did, or you might be lost. And I still was. Northguard is both a herky-jerky story and herky-jerky art. I can only give it a herky-jerky skim it. Hmm. Blue Beetle Rebirth, number one from DC. I really loved the post-Infinite Crisis Blue Beetle series starring Jaime Reyes, though I was still stinging from the death of Ted Kord. You're in luck! Ted Kord is back, and he's mentoring Jaime in this new series. I didn't keep up with the short-lived New 52 version, but here we are again for a third try, courtesy of Keith Giffen and Scott Collins. Frankly, I was a little worried that this would be a poor fit for the normally super verbose Keith Giffen, but I found myself really enjoying it. The art is Scott Collins at his best, plus having former Blue Beetle Ted Cord front and center doesn't hurt. I'm giving Blue Beetle Rebirth number one a buy it. All right, I'm going to read it. That's it. 
The Hellblazer, number one from DC. I'm just glad they got that the back in the title. That's, yeah, right. Oh, man, was I missing that. Writer Simon Oliver is the latest to take on John Constantine and try to return the drunk magician bastard to his former greatness or awfulness, I guess. Along with artist Moritat, who I normally love, unless he's drawing Swamp Thing, he does a fine job, but this still feels like a watered-down version of the Constantine I once loved. And please, don't make Moritat draw Swamp Thing anymore. Really? Is it bad? It's bad. It doesn't look good. I can only give us a skim it. it Hellblazer has lost its magic. No better, pun intended. But better or worse than Constantine, the previous version? I would say on par, maybe. I don't know. It just doesn't feel that much different other than he's back in England. Six Pack and Dog Welder, hard traveling Hiraz, number one I'm not from sure. DC. I'm not sure why they spelled it that way. <laughs> Through some, with a Z, just for those yes, of you, we have to hero, remember this is not a visual. <laughs> Through some kind of miracle, we're living in a time where Garth Ennis refuses to let the world of Hitman die, or perhaps DC refuses. Uh, you know what? I kind of feel like DC is not the one calling the shots. I okay. feel like Garth Ennis is saying, "I want to write more Hitman," and DC says, "Okay." All right. And thank God that he does, because I miss it. The previous volume, uh, which was, I believe, called All-Star Section 8, uh, left us with the impression that the entire New 52 was the drunken delusion of a sad man named Sidney. Not Stanley, like I wrote. Oh, okay. And if that's what it takes to keep this story alive, then I'm all for it. Ennis offers some biting commentary on the state of current event comics, even DC events, Russ Braun replaces John McRae on art, and it's wonderful. This book may appeal to a very small niche audience, and it is offensive as hell, but I love it. Six Pack and Dog Welder is an absolute buy it, and also Hacken, the only guy to survive Hitman other than Six Pack, is like hanging out in Superman for the last two issues with Bibbo at oh. the bar. It's amazing. Oh, wow. I love it. <laughs> Mama Tits saves the world, number one from Northwest Press. Mama Tits is an actual drag queen. Real life and person. very famous in the drag scene. Here, she is pictured as a superhero that draws her powers from the gay superhero pantheon of gods, if you will. Okay. Right? And it's several famous gay like uh, gay writers and uh, activists. Harvey Milk is there. Oscar Wilde is here. Several other gay activists. And it turned out it, this could have been a very tongue-in-cheek, very forced gay superhero type story, but it was really kind of well-written and it pointed out some of the uh, logical fallacies that the anti-gay establishment that comes and protests at gay marches and stuff often throws out. It, the art was perfectly cute. I gotta say, this was fun, and it was innocent. You could put this in anyone's hands. It's not gonna offend anybody. And it was written with a very Shazam feel. I'm giving it a buy. Mama Tits. Way to go. Hey, all right. Wait, what's her magic word? We'll get there. Oh, okay. Sorry. Snot Girl, number two from Image. So Snot Girl launched during our hiatus. It's Scott Pilgrim. It's Brian Lee O'Malley from Scott Pilgrim's first ever ongoing series about a fashion blogger caught up in a mystery involving the supposed death of one of her peers. This book is odd. The hook with the main character and her overactive allergies seems just to clash with the sudden mystery and the high stakes. And while O'Malley has a knack for bold, goofy characters, and that is on full display here, I had a tough time connecting with the subject matter. Fashion bloggers, go figure. I don't really care. Yeah. Leslie Hung's art is nice, but frankly, I probably would have latched onto this more if O'Malley had drawn it himself. I'm giving Snot Girl a skim it. Shogun! 
is your ludicrous speed round, and Shokum is your onomatopoeia of the week and the magic word Mama Tits uses to summon the powers of the queer pantheon of gods. If you want even more reviews of this week's comics, head over to twoheadednerd.com and check out Mr. Aaron Meyer's ludicrous speed rounds. He's only got one head and he thinks he's into statues now, but the kid is still reading a ton of funny books. Drag icon Aaron Myers. Drag icon Aaron Myers. Not you heard it here first. That's right. This week, we invite you to join Matt and I in the THN Sanctum Sanctorum, where ex-member of the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, the Toad, has brought us some of his most highly psychotropic toad species, and the hypno toad from Futurama. This is a great, oh my god. <laughs> is it supposed to be all the way in your mouth like that? I, I think so. I guess it's supposed to help us peer into the future of next week's comics. Matt seems convinced they taste terrible, but I'll be damned if I can't see straight through your skull and into next Wednesday. <laughs> What's your must-read pick for next week? It was Slim Pickens next week. Next week is Slight. It's a fifth week, right? Uh, No. Well, not for us, but it is for comics, I think. Well, no, it's September. Next week is September. No, it's not. It's yeah. a lot. It is, I believe it might be the fifth Wednesday. It's a fifth week. We yeah, always right. have trouble figuring this out. You are right. Next week, my pick is Reincarnate from Heavy Metal, written by I Michael I think you Marucci. have to see. I think oh, you yeah, have to yeah, say yeah. Reincarnate. Reincarnate. Yes. Re- Reincarnathan <laughs> from Heavy Metal, written by Michael Morisi with art by Keith Burns. 32 pages for 350. Here's your solicit. Nate McCoy isn't your ordinary private detective. Sure. He's a bit of a slacker who doesn't follow orders and loves to rattle the status quo's cages. But that's not what really sets him apart. After rattling the wrong cage, Nate took a bullet to his head that somehow didn't kill him. Instead, it gave him an unusual ability. He can see and interact with past versions of himself, the people he is reincarnated from. With the help of Jameson, a Wild West lawman, and Alan, a Madman-era hitman, Nate sets his sights on taking down the city's crime kingpin and to find out who he has to thank for the bullet that gave him this strange and helpful new power. Whoa. We reported on this a while ago, and I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but Marisi said this had already been optioned for something, like TV. Uh, maybe. I think so. Who can tell? Don't quote me. Maybe Alec Baldwin will know. Joe Patrick, what's your uh, pick for next week? Get ready to forget the Matrix, you guys. My <laughs> pick for next week is Equilibrium Number 1 from American Mythology Productions, written by Pat Shand with art by Jason Craig. It's 32 pages for $3.99. Here is the solicit. In the first years of the 21st century, a third world war broke out. Those of us who survived knew mankind could never survive a fourth. That our own volatile natures could simply no longer be risked. Now the government has risen up to eradicate the true source of man's inhumanity and man. The ability to feel. But in this brave new world where logic rules and emotion is punished, a rebellion breaks out that will shake this totalitarian government to its core. This is based off of a movie that Matt and I have a fond history with. It's a great movie. It is a great movie. Uh, I believe that the name of the crazy martial art that the enforcers use is called Gunkata. Yes, I think that's right. And it was Christian Bale. Christian Bale Bale and Tay Diggs. A very sexy Tay Diggs. Well, he's always very sexy. Uh, And the, the tagline on the front of the box, which we sold at Krypton back in the day, in bold letters said, Forget the Matrix! (laughs) It's like, the Matrix Because it came out in theaters like the same week as the Matrix. And it totally bombed. And got obliterated. (laughs) (laughs) So if you've never heard of Equilibrium, don't be surprised. It's cool as hell. It's an amazing movie. Watch this movie. Yeah, the Kung Fu is all based on geometry where they put themselves in a position that 
people are more likely to shoot at them. Yeah. And then you target the people that are likely shooting you based on geometry and, and like prediction probabilities of, of where they're going to be. Oh my God. We're doing the gun foo yeah, right yeah, now. Gun, like, gun <laughs> it was so cool. <laughs> the THN trade of the week next week goes to the longest day of the future. Hardcover from Fantagraphics written and illustrated by Lucas Varela. 112 pages for $24.99. It's a hardcover, though, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. It's a full-color hardcover. Yeah. Here's your solicit. It, it might be full-color. Argentinian cartoonist Lucas Varela has crafted a wordless thriller reminiscent of the work of Jason, who wrote, I killed Adolf Hitler, in a futuristic city. Two mega companies engage in a battle to eliminate the other. Will the crash of an extraterrestrial flying saucer change that? Under the guise of a science fiction fable, Varela has spun a searing indictment against consumerism and unfettered capitalism finally those capitalist dogs will pay for their crimes uh, when the aliens show up yeah when the aliens show up. um jason puts out those graphic novels that are the anthropomorphic like yeah. dogs and they don't there's no dialogue but yeah. they speak in pictograms like you know little skulls and right. whatever uh this is along those lines the art is gorgeous it it's is beautiful I, I i looked at it it is beautiful uh, i'm i think it's gonna be a fun book okay what's the pick now it's your turn to tell us what you're excited to read next week, so hit us up at the forums or, hey, head over to our Facebook page. You can post stuff there. You can link to something that you think we should be reading. And in the meantime, nah, I think the hypnotode is getting to me. I'm feeling a little... Oh, dude. Oh, I'm tripping way too hard to clean up that rainbow you just sprayed all over the altar of Agamemnon. Oh, Once a month, Joey and I cuddle up and read a whole damn graphic novel in an attempt to prove that we don't just read superhero schlock. And this week, we're taking a look at one of the more serious slice-of-life dramas we've ever read on this show. James Kochalka's Elf Cat in Love. Joe Patrick. Reading a Kochalka book can be challenging for the first-time reader. <laughs> it can be, yeah. It can come off... As a bit silly. Yes. A little off the cuff. Right, yeah. And perhaps... Um, filthy? Sometimes On occasion? Filthy. Yes. Uh, in fact, you have to be very, very careful when considering which James Kulchalka book to put into the hands of a child. Yes. Because he also writes books for children. Yes. He also writes books with cute frogs with boners. It's true. And, and uh, superheroes with boners. And superheroes <laughs> also with boners. <laughs> But my challenge sometimes to you, himself with a boner. My challenge to you is to set this book up and sell it to the first time Kochalka reader. Oh boy, yeah. Because I was thinking about this and I'm like, I don't know. Like those who know James Kochalka, yeah, easy sell. I love him. You love him. This was a a, a fun read, and you burn through it. But like, uh, imagine putting this in a stranger's hand. Okay, uh, you've got to read this book. Uh, the cat wears a pointy hat and okay. it only took 15 minutes to read. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so Elf Cat in Love is the story of the aforementioned elf cat on uh, he, uh, on a quest, I guess, to find true love. Or yeah, I don't even think they're on a quest for love. No, no, no. They're on a quest they for a hot dog. happen to fall in love. They're looking for a mystical... They're, they're looking for a magical sword. Yes, that turns... And they find a, a hot dog... That may or may not be magical. That he carries in his shoe. Yes. 
<sighs> Look, don't worry about the plot. This is a, this is a cool chocolate book. It's an all ages book, which was my number one question is like, who can I recommend this to? Right. Anybody. It's super fun. Yeah. Uh, he's got a flying tennis ball. Best friend. Magic tennis ball. Yes. A magic tennis ball that talks to him and flies and, and flies. helps him on his adventures. And it's a girl. <laughs> it's a girl tennis ball. Yeah. And they just get into wacky as they are looking for this. It's got the loosest most basic fantasy plot yeah. quest for the sword yes uh and it just ends up going nowhere near that direction well it almost comes it almost turns into this sort of like coming of age my girl type love story where like two friends sort of oh, realize yeah, yeah, yeah. they have a crush on each other <laughs> right. yeah, <laughs> like, i didn't think about that very yeah. in, in this very innocent way and like one of them is kind of this cocky good looking like elf cat i guess and the other one is sort of this like nice uh, sort of matter of fact intelligent female magic tennis ball <laughs> and, and like at the, the end elf cat gets stung to death by bees yeah <laughs> the dude is kind of an idiot and shows off a lot and stuff but the girl is smart enough to see through that and realize that he's actually a pretty cool person and like she's it, in love with him <laughs> i mean when you read even the mature reader stuff that Kochaka puts out, even the autobiographical stuff yeah. that's supposed to be about things that actually happened to him, when you read his work, there's no way for you to actually assume that he could actually give a poignant salient point about relationships right and uh, friendships it's and about a cat and a magic tennis ball and, and a hot dog and a, and a yeah. lumpy uh, blob thing with a bow on its head but there's a heart to it right there's uh, always an a heart unexpected to this stuff. amount of heart yeah. and that's always present in his work unless it's one of the books that's only about boners right and yet this was sweet it was cute it was funny uh i think his art is wonderful it's, it seems very yeah. simple it seems very simple, but there's a depth and a detail there. And emotion. He packs a ton of emotion into his stories. Right. And, and uh, storytelling ability that is kind of belied by the cartoonish, like, this looks like it got drawn with a black crayon. Yeah. You know, it, it's really well done. And he's the master of this sort of thing. Yeah. I enjoyed it a lot. I am giving it a buy it with the qualification that, like, if you're not a Kochalka fan, you might not really be able to latch onto it right at first. I don't know if it's the best entry point into his body of work. So you're saying it's not for everyone. <laughs> I wasn't going to. I was trying not to say it, but I want to say I'm giving it a buy it too. And it is a very fun all ages read. I think it's great for kids. This is a great book to sit down and read with your kid. Yeah. Boy or girl. I mean, I think they would giggle. There's some funny stuff here. You would probably giggle too. It's really cute. It's 100 plus pages, but yeah. it's lightning fast. Oh, yeah. Great stuff. Love Kochalka. Absolutely. Pick this one up. Check it out. My girl loves me. Next month on Take a Look, it's in a book. I'm going to do my best to scrounge up a copy of The 100 Nights of Hero by Isabel Greenberg, which was recommended to us by faithful listener Mark Tarrington on the Twitter. According to the Hachette website, it says, In the tradition of the Arabian Nights, a beautifully illustrated tapestry of folk tales and myths about the secret legacy of female storytellers in an imagined medieval world. Sounds great. Yeah, the art looks fantastic. It is super duper indie. She's not even putting it out digitally, so we might not be able to get a hold of it. I'm going to try my best, though. It comes out September 1st. So if you want to read along with us, go pick up your copy now. 
sort of break it down like this. That is it for THN episode 262. If you dig shows that accept love in all its forms, even between a cat and a magic tennis ball, you can subscribe to this show on iTunes, Stitcher, or TuneIn. This was a very progressive episode. It was. It was very LGBTQIA friendly. I heard the IA part last night. Oh, TB for tennis ball. Oh, yeah, yeah. LGBTQCTB. IA. Yeah, IA. I don't know. Okay. I heard it last night at the condom fashion show. Okay. <laughs> I was like, all right. All right. <laughs> you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, or tune in. And while you're there, leave us your star ratings, your reviews, your thumbs up, and your hearts because it helps us to connect with other LGBTQIACTB listeners. <laughs> Nailed it. Thank you to all of our donors. And if you want to throw some of your hard-earned cash at us, and why wouldn't you? I mean, come on. You can do so by clicking our PayPal button at TwoHeadedNerd.com. And to become a sustaining member, simply check the box that says, make this donation monthly when you uh, fulfill your PayPal donation. There you go. Remember, as little as a buck a month really does help. We use it to pay for hosting fees, for equipment costs, for... Cocktails uh, of the week. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> sometimes people have donated specifically to fund the cocktail yeah. of the week. So, I've come yeah. home to find booze on my doorstep before. <laughs> yeah. And we really appreciate it. If you're interested in sponsoring THN, shoot us an email with the subject line, sponsorship. If you want to yell at us personally, you can head over to TwoHeadedNerd.com where you can find links to all of our contact info via Periscope, Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, Tumblr, and, of course, the Ziggurat Hotline, 402-819-4894. Tattoo that number on your forehead. Do it backwards so when you look in the mirror, you can see it. Forward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good and advice. Don't forget to answer the question of the week. I can neither confirm nor deny that Matt has spent donation money on weed. No, that's not true. I would do that. <laughs> I get my weed for free. Oh. Yeah. If you dig the music you hear on the show, you can subscribe to our soundtrack playlist on Spotify by searching for Matt Bomb's Spotify profile. Before we go, our weekly shout-out goes to our friends John, Scott, and Cat Nerd at the Galacticus Podcast for reaching their milestone 50th episode. Word to you, nerds! Now, trust me, get out before all of a sudden it's 250 and you're wondering what happened to your life. And your wife wants a divorce. <laughs> Until next time! True believers, remember to pre-order your comics or your retailer might call you a bigot because he doesn't understand the definition of the word. This is the Two-Headed Nerd. Signing off. Just kidding, our wives are very supportive. Maybe you're. <laughs> <laughs>